On Full Service Radio, 830 WCRM. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Good morning, everyone. Great to be back. I'm your host, Mark Altman, and uh, here with iCommunicate. And boy, I have to tell you, you know, it's so good to be back with my buddy, Ted. You know, I don't get to see him every week. But how you doing, Ted? I'm doing great. Ted always puts a smile on my face. And and listen, the thing is, it's so great to work with someone. And I'm not just saying this. It's so great to work with someone who you feel like you learn, their whether it's their experience, their wisdom, their mentorship. But, you know, every time, Ted, someone listens to the show and gives me feedback and they say, boy, that guy, Ted, he really seems to know a lot. And I said, he does. It's true. He does. <laughs> My wife of 39 years says I have a head full of useless information, but at some point it's you know valuable. I think what she's trying to say is that there's a lot of space up there that's filled with gas. <laughs> there you go. Right there you go. So you know, I feel like uh, you know I've talked on the show before about core values, and we've talked about communication, and we've talked about so many issues over the last couple of years, and. You know, one of the issues that's near and dear to my heart is really good customer service and communication. And it seems like every week I could have a show about a a story about a bad customer service experience. But this time, this time, I'm going to set up the theme of our show today with suspense. So this is the the story I want to tell. Okay, now in the span of 24 hours, maybe 36 hours this past week, I must have had Five bad customer service experiences in 36 hours. I <laughs> love those sound effects. <laughs> oh, beautiful stuff. So, okay. So I'm going to set it up. These are not long stories. So I'm just going to tell one story to start the show today, okay? So I was looking for a new doctor. And so I called the doctor's office. The doctor gives me a phone number for a new, in, new patient intake number I need to call to get registered. So I'm like, fine, no problem. So I call up and uh, the woman starts off, what's your name? And so I tell her my name, Mark Altman. And she goes, I'm sorry, I can't really hear you. And I said, okay, my name is Mark, M-A-R-K, and spelled my last name. Is that better? She said, yes. Just like that, yes. And then the first three or four minutes of the conversation go on, And there's a very frustrated, annoyed tone. And I often talk about the four communication ingredients being word choice and tone, what you say and how you say it, body language and listening. So because of what I do for a living, I'm constantly paying close attention to people's words and tone, right? So, Ted, I'm not making, I'm not embellishing any details of this story. This is what I did. After about three or four minutes on the call, I said, "Um, excuse me, can I stop you for a minute? And she said, yes. And I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? And she said, go ahead. And I said, did I do something to upset you? Because, and I said it in a very gentle, non-threatening way. I said, did I do something to upset you? Because you sound very frustrated and annoyed. And if I did something to upset you, I'd like to apologize. And her entire demeanor changed. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I I wasn't trying to come across that way. I, I, I apologize. I said, no, it's okay. I I just wanted to check and make sure, you know, everything was okay and there's nothing I did. 
And the rest of the conversation was great, okay? Now, one other quick 30-second story I'm going to share because it will set up what we're trying to talk about today. So there was another issue, Ted, where I was working with my property management company for my condo complex to try to acquire an insurance certificate. And when I called to get it, I was passed along to someone else rudely. And then an email finally comes back to me that says, if you'd like this insurance certificate, you can, here's the list of fees for any other documents you need. And these are documents I should have been given once I moved in and I wasn't given. So that rubbed salt in the wounds, right? So I wrote a two-sentence email back and I said, you know, I'm really annoyed at the way you're handling this situation. And I went on for two sentences to explain. And you know what her response was? Her response was, well, there's no reason to be annoyed. And you know what my response was? Thank you for devaluing my emotions. That's literally what I wrote back. <laughs> That's really succinct. Right? And then, and then she, again, just like the first example I gave, totally changed her demeanor after that and apologized. And so after those two experiences, Ted, I thought to myself, wow, distraction and disruption, which are terrible words in our language, right? I mean, Ted, can you imagine if your wife, you, she was working on something and she said, Ted, you're being a distraction. Like, you, that's a horrible insult. No one wants to be a distraction or a disruption. And it occurred to me, I disrupted those two people in the flow of what they're doing, one with the bad tone and one with the curt response. And when I kind of asserted myself, spoke up for what I was hearing and knowing was happening, they both kind of stopped what they were doing and kind of changed and recognized their behavior. And so I thought, wow, we're going to do a show today about the positive attributes of the words distraction and disruption. So I think what's interesting is that the words, the word distraction, when we, the, the way we use distraction even as a positive is, you know, like for me, Ted, I don't know what you do, but for me, at the end of a long day of coaching and training, my distraction is to watch TV, or as my father used to call it, the boob tube. You ever remember that? You ever heard of that? Oh, expression? yeah. Oh, yeah. Boob tube? What does that mean? I never even know what that means. But where did that come from? Any idea? Yeah. Uh, you become a boob when you watch the tube. Okay. All right. Never put that together. Okay. It only took me 40 years to figure that out, but okay, great. So the point is, I watch TV. It's a pleasant distraction. I get to turn my head, my mind off. And I like comedy, so I'll just sit and watch sitcoms or comedians or whatever. And so that's my distraction. Uh, you know what? Am I distracting myself from the real world? Maybe. Am I distracting myself from the stress of the day? Maybe. But a lot of us choose distractions, TV, music, video games, puzzles, reading. Any of these are distractions. And that tends to be the way the word distraction is attributed as a positive. So. Can, can I um, just bump in here? Because okay. we've gone down this road before on the show, and I'm from the 70s, and I don't have a problem confronting anyone because I know that through confrontation – and controversy, change happens without confront, 
confrontation and controversy, there will be no change. So I, you know, I don't see uh, telling someone they're, you know, being distracting as a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it depends on the context of the conversation, all right, right? All right. Well, I, I got to tell you that my wife could not survive in our relationship if she was not able to tell me, Ted, you're being distracting. I'm trying to work here. So I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm just a bit more of a confrontationalist than you are. Well, so what's interesting is, as I typically do when we talk about a topic on the show, is I looked up the definition of distraction. And the definition of distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. And I thought to myself, wow, that, that really could be negative or positive. I mean, it could go really either direction. And Sometimes you have to have uh, a closed environment to concentrate on something important. That's well... We're going to call, so you bring that up, and we're going to talk about that exact scenario a little later in the show. I'm glad you brought that up. But I want to I back up a second, because I spent a lot of time training people on how to be more emotionally intelligent communicators, emotionally intelligent leaders. And I, you know, Ted, I, I haven't mentioned this for a long time on the show, but such a big part of the problem with the words mindfulness and emotional intelligence is they seem so not relatable to people. They seem so distant, the words themselves. Emotions are typically frowned on. So emotional intelligence feels like, well, I don't want to really be intelligent about my emotions. It just doesn't sound all that appealing, right? So I spend a lot of time trying to reframe these words so they're relatable and applicable and understandable. And so I found a way, Ted, that I think really captures um, what gets in the way of emotional intelligence. Because a lot of people, when they think of emotional intelligence, they think of conflict and anger and frustration. And that's what they go to. Like, I'm mad and I got to respond and not react, which is true. I mean, this is a huge aspect of emotional intelligence. But the way I say it is, when do you become rattled? And my definition of rattled is you have a change of mood, you have a change in energy level, you have a change in emotion. And the, one of the examples I give is you're sitting at your desk and you read an email and it's bad news. Someone has disappointed you. And you just sit, can you feel your, can you feel your whole body be like, oh, right? You're rattled because it distracted you. In that moment, you were having a good day, you were being productive, you were going along, and all of a sudden this email comes and now you're rattled. And so it's very important when we talk about emotional intelligence for people to understand it's not just not being angry. It's recognizing when your mood, emotion, or energy has subtle changes in it, and then the consequences of those subtle changes. Because I don't know about you, Ted, I could be having the greatest day, I could have a great radio show, leave the station, I'm hopping into my car, feeling good, and then I go check my phone in my car, and then a sales prospect emails me and says, yeah, sorry, we've decided not to use you right now. And then you know what happens? I say to myself, oh, I blew that. You know, what, what didn't I do that I could have done, right? I internalize it. I blame myself. I get mad at the prospect, start thinking like, I can't believe they took me all that time. And so this is what I mean. That's emotional intelligence. 
So when you recognize that change of emotion, mood, and energy, what do you have to distract yourself from going down the bad path? Well, listen, I got a great idea, but let's take a break and pick this up when we come back. Sounds good. So, and we're going to, when we come back from this uh, for our next uh, segment, I'm going to talk about what bad path actually means. So for I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be back. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to Kai Communicate. The uh, phone number, if you'd like to call the show, is 508-871-7000. What's that number? 508-871-7000. So and listen, where you um, just ended the last segment, yep. it, it's one of the... Uh, one of the things that took me forever to learn, when I'm in a work environment and I'm working, I usually work by myself, so I get pretty myopic, I get focused, and if somebody comes in and interrupts me, I'm more prone to snap or get rattled, as you said. And my default uh, expression used to be, look, your procrastination does not equal an emergency for me. <laughs> and this That's did not great. go over very well, not only in the workplace, but at home. And so I learned to stop myself before those words came out of my mouth and said, look, I'm, I'm sure what you want to work on is important. Can you help me with what I'm working on? And then I'll help you with what you're doing because I'm really into it now. And, and, and then helping you meant coming back a different time or... Well, I would leave it up to them to either skedaddle off, um, I'm showing my personality again, or to say, sure, Ted, I'll help you, and then you can help me, which is really the, the right answer. Because if you include someone in the import of what you're doing, then they're confident that you will give them the same treatment back. Well, first of all, let me just start out by saying that uh, if Joe Lyman were here today, and Joe, if you're listening to the show today, you know, using the word skedaddle, I mean, skedaddle is definitely a word of the show candidate. I mean, you don't hear the word skedaddle every day. That's that's a beauty. So anyway, Ted, you know, g- going to what you said. So, you know, th- this is the thing about, um, it's funny, you brought it up a couple times, so I'm going to jump into this now because, so... One of the things about distraction that is the example Ted gave, you know, you're really concentrating on something and you're really focused. And, you know, one of the things my therapist has told me is that you really, you, you, to compensate for your ADD, you channel your focus so intently that you can't even see what's going on around you sometimes. Like, you can't even hear. Right, like a laser light. It blocks out everything. That's right. And so your need to, because you're so fearful, you're going to miss something or forget something or, uh, or, or not be able to concentrate, that you just kind of do the opposite, overcompensate. And so what well, I... Wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to challenge sure. you on that because it's one of the things that you find in the greats. Like Tiger Woods says that when he is 
on the fairway walking along. He can have conversations and chit-chat, no problem. But when he gets in the zone, people can be talking directly at him. Birds can be chirping. He doesn't hear a thing except him and the ball. So I understand what you're saying. And in a social situation, unlike golf, <laughs> you need to include the things that are going on around you. And it certainly could save your life. But um, I think it's a good thing to get focused. Well, so, so okay, but, but you're, you're discerning between two things, right? Because you, now you're talking about getting in the zone, which to me is a little different. So there are times when, you know, I'm writing curriculum or I'm preparing a presentation and I'm in the zone and I feel like absolutely don't want to be distracted, don't want to have anything interfere. But... You know, when I was listening to your story, Ted, do you and I do a great job over the years? Can we discern to ourselves of we don't want to get distracted because we're in the zone or we just don't want to get distracted because we're doing something we want to finish it? Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? There is a certain amount of selfishness there. That's right. Now, I want to go back to the, the comment I made before the end of the first segment about going down a bad path. Now, so when... When you get some something that happens over the course of a day that rattles you, well, let's define bad path. Well, bad path means disrupts your focus, disrupts your concentration. And then one of the characteristics to me of a bad path is your inner voice kicks in. Like I said, in the example I gave before about the sales prospect, oh, I didn't do my I didn't do a good job, I'm mad at them. So the inner voice starts feeding you information that is further distracting you from what you want to or should be doing. And so that bad path, by the way, could be 15 minutes, could be a half hour, hour, it could be the half the rest of the day, it could be a week. It just situationally depends on the severity of the situation, right? But the point is, when do you get distracted when you go down that bad path and the inner voice kicks in and starts feeding you mean information, what, what makes you shift back? Well, there's a lot of things that, that, that are the answer to that question. One is you get distracted again, right? And you just, you just go back and don't even, you don't even remember it or think about it or whatever. Another thing could be it just wears off over time. Like you just kind of forget about it. You know, it's two hours later. Jeez, you, you may have just described the problem with a cell phone. I mean, a smartphone. With meaning? Well, you start looking at one thing and something else flashes across the screen. There you are doing that. Right. And then all of a sudden something else pops up from the bottom and now you got six things going on and you can't remember why you picked up the phone in the first place. That's right. That's right. So, but here's the key, Ted, and I want our listeners to really think about this now because when you go down a bad path, I want you to think about the expression, um, forget about it. Don't let it bother you. I want you to think about that. Because if someone gives you the advice, forget about it, don't let it bother you, there's two components to being able to succeed at that. One of the components is to outwardly forget about it, and one of the components is to inwardly forget about it. So, for instance, if during a basketball game, if you're a basketball player and you've missed five shots in a row and you've lost confidence in your shot, and then you go over to the sidelines and says, coach says, forget about it. You've, you've hit tons of shots over the course of this season. You're shake really, it off. Shake it off, right? 
But see, in that case, and in that moment, they may be able to forget about it. But then the next game they play, when they miss the three shots again, now it compounds because then the inner voice says, geez, well, this is two games in a row where you haven't been able to do what you're supposed to do. And so you haven't inwardly forgot about it. You've outwardly to appease the other person. Right. And so what I'm trying to say here is that when you get distracted, when you go down a bad path and you get distracted, the idea is to cope with it. The idea is Good not word. just to be in denial and right. say it's going to go away. No, cope. Right? Because whatever the root cause of what took you down that bad path, and, and let me give you an example before we go into our next break, okay? So the sales email comes, bad news, don't get the job, don't get the uh, client. So then I tell myself, well, okay, the problem is that I didn't do my job or the problem is that the client was mean or insensitive or lacking empathy or whatever I would say, okay? But the real problem here inside is, could be my confidence level. The root cause of this is my confidence level. Because if all it takes is one email, I mean, my business has grown incredibly this year. And so if I get an email with rejection and my takeaway is my inner voice kicks in, you did something wrong, the client did something wrong, then maybe I have a confidence issue more so than my initial reaction to the email that rattled me. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. My, my inner voice has a big mouth just like me. So I, what I do is I use one word to shut him up, and that's next. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, all right. So, look, when we come back, when we come back for our next segment, we're going to talk about the example that Ted alluded to earlier about, you know, concentration, focus, being in the zone. And then we're going to get into, very simply, how can you discern and be honest with yourself in what's a good distraction and what's a bad distraction? For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be back. Turn it up. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome to I Communicate. Good to have you back. So I want to talk about something uh, Ted mentioned last segment about, uh, you know, being in the zone, focus, so on and so so forth. And so, Ted, you might find this interesting, but in doing a lot of research around distraction being positive, one of the things that came up is when you have that laser-sharp focus and you are trying to block out all distractions and you're in it, um, it actually can have a negative impact on your creativity and on your critical thinking process. And this phenomenon, ready for this? I'm going to sound so super smart here. You ready for this, Ted? Lay it on us. Okay. Cognitive fixation. And, and, and so, so cognitive fixation is when you spend so much time singularly concentrating and focusing on, and here's the key, 
on your idea, on one idea, and then you, you're you like, it's almost the confirmation bias thing is the more ingrained you get into the session of concentration and focus, the more you're reinforcing your own thoughts, which in some cases may be good, but the point of cognitive fixation is that when you think you're in the zone, when you think you need that laser focus and concentration or anything of the like, that cognitive fixation, many psychologists say, could actually work against you as much as it can work for you. That makes sense. Isn't that something? So, look, I, I want to, I have to share something that literally just happened at the commercial break that, like, my heart is a flutter right now because it was a story I was going to share on the show. And, you know, Ted, we did a show several months ago. I don't know if you remember this, but we talked about instant gratification with feedback. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, I had a situation where, um, um, my daughter and her boyfriend are coming over for Hanukkah tomorrow night to celebrate Hanukkah. And I asked her to make something. She didn't have the time to make it. And to make a long story short, um, I was a little frustrated, but I gave her time to process my last thought and didn't respond right away and share my frustration. And then a day later, she actually responded the way I hoped she would respond because I didn't need that instant gratification in that moment. I let her process the thoughts. So here's just what happened, okay? I made this realization talking to my son Cole, who I talk about on the show from time to time, that he had really developed some bad habits around keeping his word, following through on commitments, and so on and so forth. And so we had this whole long discussion the other night, and we ended up looking at his grades for the semester. He's an eighth grader, but we looked at his grades for the semester. And I saw this disturbing trend For every one of his classes, the first half of the semester, he'd have an A average. And then all of a sudden, in virtually every class, he would just have a bad week, have a couple of bad grades, and his grade would fall. And not only is it happening this semester, it occurred to me that's a pretty consistent pattern over the course of the semester. And I looked at him and I said, son of a gun, all these years, I finally diagnosed your problem. And he said, what is it? I said, You get complacent. You start to think you're better than you are. You start to distract yourself from the process. You cut corners. You cheat the right way to do things because you feel like you figured it all out. He's believing his own uh, 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 press clippings. Yes, yes, thank you. Right? And so I said, am I right? And he started laughing. He goes, yeah, I think I'm doing that. So I said, So we get in this whole discussion about habit change and what I need to do. I said, nope, I want to make, I'm a big believer in incremental growth. So here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to give you this whole laundry, long laundry list of things to do. I have one request of you. This is the only thing I want you to focus on in the short term. I said, every time you become mindful and aware that you're getting cocky and you're about to go down a bad path, I want you to text me. And say, hey, Dad, can we talk about it? I'm, I'm starting to go down a bad path. Swear to God, Ted, yeah. just got a text during the, that last yeah. break from him saying, can we talk? I feel like I'm going down a bad oh, path. wonderful. So it's like, to me, this whole thing around distraction is, in, 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 in when I had this discussion with Cole, he actually said, wow. So when you said being rattled, it can also have the opposite where sometimes you're rattled and you feel bad about yourself, but it could be you're rattled and you feel too good about yourself. Oh, yeah. You become cocky or complacent. Oh, yeah. I said, very, very much so. Good. Very good. Right? Right, kid.
So the bottom line here when it comes to distraction and what I'm trying to really reinforce to our listeners is that distraction used with the right attitude, the right mindset, and the right approach is the way to go. And so I promised at our last break I was going to talk about the difference between good and bad distraction and when you're using it for good or evil. That, that's what I want to say when you're using that's, it for good or evil. That's such a great thing. Um, all I can think of is Winston Churchill, and I, I can't do the accent anymore, so I won't try. But he said that uh, every truth must be accompanied by a bodyguard of lies. Wow, that's, that's, that's powerful. And, 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 you know, one of the points I want to make to set this up is there's an example I give that I cannot think of a possible better example that gives you an example of a discernment between the truth or the lies. And here it is. And I give this situation in training, Ted. Here's the situation. I think we talked about this a few months ago, but I want to talk about it again because it sets up what we're talking about. The situation is... You are dealing with a coworker. That coworker, the last three interactions with those coworker have been uncomfortable, conflict-driven, uh, disrespectful, any or all of those things. And you're now having a fourth conversation with a coworker. The coworker does the same thing he or she has been doing in the previous three conversations. You tell the coworker, "I need to excuse myself from this conversation." And the question is, is that assertive? or passive behavior. And Ted, I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, everybody in the training says it's passive. And I say, why is it passive? And they said, well, they're avoiding the confrontation or they're avoiding the discussion. And I said, this is the difference between um, avoidance and truth. If I talk to you, if you were the one that said, I need to excuse myself from this conversation, and I talk to you after, I'd ask you one question. Did you excuse yourself from the conversation because you were trying to avoid conflict? Or did you excuse yourself from the conversation for your own mental health wellness so you wouldn't go down a bad path? And if your answer is, I excuse myself, no, I'm not afraid of conflict. I excuse myself because when I talk to that person, they bring me down. It makes me feel negative. It makes me lose my confidence in in the human, human beings, blah, blah, blah. And so here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the truth. We're talking about discerning now between distractions, good and evil. If you're a kid and you say, I say, well, why have you been doing video games for the last two or three hours? And you say, oh, well, I just need a distraction. You know, I'm really tired of schoolwork. You know whether that's the truth or not. You could have done that for one hour and had a distraction, but now you're on two or three hours. So that's the difference between good and evil. But there's words for this, Ted. The words are self-suppression or self-expansion. I get smarter every day. I just use these big words and I I get smarter every day. I like that. Okay. So self-suppression is using distractions to avoid negative experiences. So you can be in denial. So you don't have to face things. Remember what we talked about earlier in the show. If If you need to cope with something... Right? If you're using distraction as a coping mechanism, that's good. But if you're using it to avoid negative experiences, that's self-suppression. That's being in denial. Now, it's, it's interesting, right? Because the trick is 
if you are avoiding a negative feeling, such as I'm doing this because work is boring or I don't want to deal with anything right now, you see the difference. I don't want to deal with anything now is self-suppressive. If you say I need to do something else because I'm bored with my homework or corporate work and you need a half hour, that's expansive. That's that's emotional intelligence. That's self-awareness that you're not going to be a productive or efficient right now because you're bored. So go do something else for 30 minutes and come back to it. So t- can you see the difference in, in the mindsets of I don't want to deal with it versus I'm bored, I know I need to change direction. Right, right. it's like maintenance of uh, a, a system. You have to give it time. That's a positive, expanding experience. Saying, uh, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> and, and It's not going to help you. Right, and so, so much of, to me, emotional intelligence is you do kind of need to manipulate your mind. I mean, I know it sounds odd, in the word manipulate, talk about word choice. Talk about a word that is always frowned on is manipulate. Who Whoever uses manipulate in a positive context. But in this case, if you can distract yourself, you know, if you know you want, not you have to, if you know you want to start a, a workout routine in the morning, okay, and you get out of bed and you're like, I don't feel like working out today. This is how you manipulate your mind, right? Okay, to avoid the distraction and avoid it. Maybe you put your workout clothes literally in the doorway before you leave your room. Maybe you put a picture of why you're working out. What's the end goal? Maybe it's to get the woman or man of your dreams and you put a picture of someone like that on the wall. That's what I mean about manipulating your mind. There's nothing, that's not cheating, right? You have to do what it takes to distract you from going down a bad path, going in the kitchen, skipping your workout, and eating an unhealthy breakfast. So you got to distract yourself from that. So think about think about how distraction can be used in a self-expansive way, in a productive way, in a positive and healthy way to help you achieve your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, to use it as a tool of motivation. So when we come back, we're going to build on how to make distractions self-expansive, how to utilize them as tools. And for I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. You know, I, I was just thinking during the break, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a bumper sticker or a slogan, and it's going to have Ted's name in quotes, and it's going to say, your procrastination doesn't equal my emergency. That is the line of the year. That is freaking hilarious, Ted. Seriously, I'm still thinking about that. Well, that's a, it's a, a longstanding treatment of mine. I use it on myself when I come up with excuses for not having accomplished something. Yeah, but I want to tell you something about that. I got some very good insight around that sentence. Here's what happens. And I'm going to use this in a training because you just gave me a big light bulb, right? 
think about that. Your procrastination doesn't equal my emergency. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break that down a little bit. When you are procrastinating and you are rushing, here's what happens. Your communication gets sloppy and quick. Haste makes waste. And I'll give you the prime example, Ted. And I used to be the worst offender of this, but I have worked so hard and I'm I'm virtually 100% consistent on this habit now after many years. My biggest criticism people gave me as a leader of my old company, they'd say, hey, Mark, when you send an email and you reply to an email, you don't even say hi or hello. You don't even ask any pleasantry. You just go, well, what's the answer to this, right? So see, to me, I was always in such a rush to respond to emails and get things done that I was always, my, I didn't have good time management. I didn't have prioritization. I, I procrastinated. So sure enough, my communication gets really sloppy and insensitive muddling that goes on. Right? So when someone walks into your office, when you're in the, you know, they've lost all sense of your needs and your wants because it's all about them, which is the point you were making earlier in the show. But that to me, I mean, Ted, I just had a client um, two days ago. I teed up for this guy the greatest opportunity. I gave him a referral that was almost virtually a lock. And here's what happened. The, he he emailed the woman after I did an introduction email. He emailed the woman. The woman said, I'm available at 2 or 3. Uh, the, the, the woman responded 30 minutes later at 1030 at night. I'm available at 2 to 3 o'clock tomorrow. Send me an invitation. We can meet. Well, what happened was when the guy saw the email the next day, he was rushing so quickly that he didn't see the email was sent at 10 last night. He thought it was sent in the morning, so he thought two to three the next day meant the next day, not that day. So he blew off the woman because he misread the email, and the woman won't talk to him now. And I said to him, shame on you. You're rushing around too quick. You got too many things going on. You missed the deal when that email was sent, and that could cost you a big client. Shame on you. Even our language in our society makes it easy for people to get away with this in their own mind. Think about it. We just used the words misread. He didn't read it. He didn't read it. Well said, Ted. He didn't read it. And and you know what else? You're so right. No, you're so right about that. And you know what else occurs to me? This is why I am so triggered when people say, I forgot or I did it by accident. Because no, you didn't prioritize. Not you forgot you didn't prioritize. And doing it by accident means you may not have cared enough to do it right the first time. Accidents only happen where you're someplace where you shouldn't be. They're not accidents. It's a situation you put yourself in. Well, and I would argue, Ted, is the definition of an accident, and I'm sure I could get a lot of people to fight me on this, is the definition of an accident, it's truly an accident if it was really out of your control. Like, I wonder if you really think about the word accident, it was out of your control. So, and and if you, if you use that definition, boy, the use of the word accident is going to get much smaller. If people are being truthful, it's going to get much smaller. So look, this is, this is the last thing I want to cover today, and I want to get this in before we finish. So I, to, I told you when we come back from the break, I would tell you how to use self-expansive distractions in a positive way. So let me tell you all you have to do. You ready to hear how easy this is? It's, it's, it's fabulous, okay? Great. Great, yeah. So you get bored, okay? 
You're working out. You're 30 minutes in the workout. You're bored. Cole's doing his homework. 30 minutes in the homework. I'm bored. And so this is this would be a self-expansive direction, distraction. He would say, or they would say, why am I doing this in the first place? Why am I working out? That's your distraction sentence. Why am I doing this? For Cole, why am I doing my homework? Not because you care about the periodic table of elements. You're doing your homework because it's a means to an end. It's well, p- well, for teenagers, it's basically so I don't have to do it later. Oh, fine. Fine. To get it out of the way. But that's a great point, Ted. To get it out of the way so I can have more fun later if I finish it now. That's beautiful. So why am I doing this? Answer the, but you got to answer the question. You can't just say, why am I doing right, this and go on. Right. you got to answer. Then I, you, you answer the question. And then after you answer the question, you remind yourself, what's the ultimate goal here? Remind yourself what you're doing and what the ultimate goal is. So I want you, I'm going to give you a, to finish the show, I'm going to give you a very four-step, simple four-step process, and I'm going to give you this challenge. And if you want to email me this, if you want to talk to me about this, I'm, I'm, I'll make myself available. You can email me at maltman at mindsetgo.com. You can call me at 978-97, uh, oh my, 978-793-1159. Oh my goodness, 978-793-1159. So here you go. I want you to think about when you need a distraction. Think about your behavior on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. Think about when you need a distraction. Evaluate if the choice you make to use your self-expansive distraction is the right choice. Discern between are you using it for good or evil. You're not avoiding. You're doing it to grow. Okay? Third, um. There's no length of time to the distraction. A distraction could be 15 seconds. It could be a minute. It could be taking a breath and breathing so you respond and don't react. There's no length of time you have to achieve for a distraction to be useful. And then decide which positive distraction habits you want to build. And that's what it's all about. So, wonderful. Another complete episode of I Communicate. We're talking about uh, using distraction in a productive, honest, self-supporting way. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in. Um, And for next week, we'll look forward to it. I'm Mark Altman for I Communicate, and we'll see you next time. listening to I Communicate with your host, Mark Altman. Join us again each week at this time on Full Service Radio, WCRN.